Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I said right there, all my phones, so that'd be fine. Thank you. All right. Turn to the book of Joel. Hopefully uh, you took this afternoon to find where it's at. You know, so we, we know where it's at. I was I was waiting though we were singing that, that second song in, or the whichever one Mitchell said he's only staying in the van. I was waiting halfway through to, for him to say, Kids don't make me turn this van around I'm like I was waiting for something, you know, uh, there, but he didn't. Good job, Mitch, way to hold it together. Well, tonight, uh, the sermon I'm preaching about are the many sins of Melissa McDonald. So, um, we're going to be here for a while. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I don't have enough time for that. Um, or enough notebook paper, so uh, we'll just do something different this morning. I do appreciate the hospitality, the kindness. Um, this is, you know, my sending church, I was... Uh, Got up here 20 years ago. Um, it's been 20 years, and uh, yeah, I came here as a 22-year-old 20, soldier in the army, and, and this church was my home. Um, church was my family in Alaska, and, and has been. Uh, Pastor Roach, I love uh, Pastor McGovern, um, and, and just so many of you folks have been here and, and known some of you folks I've, that I, I haven't gotten super familiar with. I know you a little bit here and there, trying to piece everybody together. But I appreciate the kindness and hospitality. Now, tonight, it, the message is different, kind of a different focus um, than, than this morning. Um, let's go ahead and read, and we'll, we'll get into it. It says in Joel chapter 2, verse 12, we're going to read down to probably around verse 21. It says, Therefore also, therefore also now saith the Lord... Turn ye even, un, even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning. And rend your heart, and not your garments. And turn unto the Lord your God. For He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth Him of the evil. Who knoweth if He will return and repent, and leave a blessing behind Him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and those that suck the breasts. Let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for His land and pity His people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto His people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and you shall be satisfied therewith. And I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. But I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive him into a land barren and desolate with his face toward the east sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea. And his stink shall come up and his ill savors shall come up because he hath done great things. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice for the Lord will do great things. Um, 
You know, the book of Joel, as I said this morning, it's a tiny book in, in the uh, minor prophets, and often it gets lost in the mix, you know, of, of the books in Scripture. And, and Joel prophesied uh, prior, I believe, prior to Judah being uh, taken captive by the Babylonians. And, and some commentators, though, they're not sure exactly when Joel prophesied, when his ministry was. Some put him as early as 800 B.C., some in the 400s, but, but there's not, people aren't sure. And, the, you know, in, in the book, there's, there's not as, like, you know, King so-and-so. Some of the, the prophets says, you know, the ministry was during King Josiah or King whoever. So that kind of pinpoints it. But Joel, not as much. And here, you know, as far as what transgressions Judah is being warned about, Joel is fairly obscure. He warns of an invasion of locusts as well as an invading army. Now, there's discussion about, okay, are these two separate events? Or was one symbolic of the other? Are they both a, a plague of locusts? Are they both an invading army? Or is one the locust next the army? I'm not getting into that, that tonight because that's neither here nor there as far as the message goes tonight. Now, this section that we read... It's an exhortation to, to the nation of Judah to come to repentance. As Brother Butler was talking about. You know, and, and uh, it's not only that, it's, it's a promise of God's mercy and restoration upon them if they would. If they would turn, God would bless them. You know, repentance is a turning away from sin. It is a change of heart which results in a change of life. It's a turning. Years ago, I had someone ask me, and, and once again, for those who don't know me, I operate, my mind operates on about a third grade level. Okay? And I mean, I, basic stuff here. I'm, I, I get it. So, so many of you kids like, man, I like that guy because we think the same. But someone asked me years ago, I, I preached about repentance and turning, and they say, well, <coughs> excuse me. They say, Pastor, how do you know when you've turned? I say, well, let me ask you a question. When you're driving your car, how do you know when you've turned? I said, you're going a different direction than you were before. Right? If I'm going the same direction I was before, I haven't turned. Okay, and so God is calling Judah to repentance. And part of repentance is a humbling of our hearts before God, admitting we are wrong and letting go of our way, letting go of our sin and submitting ourselves to God's way. That's repentance. And we know how powerful of an attitude humility is before God. I talked about that some this morning. But God here is giving them an opportunity to repent and is calling Judah to come before him and turn and get things right. You know, something I just wanted to share. He's, he's, you know, in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, the Bible says this, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now, I, I was preaching the other week and I... I come across this verse, I was using this verse out of the book of Daniel, because Daniel says he confessed his sin. I confessed my sin to the Lord. And I, 
And I got thinking about that, and I looked up this word confesses in, in the, in the uh, Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew. Well, it's the Hebrew word yadah, and you say, okay, big deal. Well, this word, it means to use the hand. You say, what in the world? To use or to hold out the hand. Now, now there are three parts of this word that are very key in the idea of confession. The, the, this word means physically to throw at or away. So to throw something away. If I throw something away, I'm getting rid of it. The, other, the next meaning means to revere or worship with extended hands. To revere or worship with extended hands. The third meaning means to bemoan. Or wringing the hands. So think about this. So this word that is used for confess means to to throw away, to worship, and to bemoan or regret our sin. That's the heart of confession. Right there. Confession is not to just say, God, I'm sorry I did. You know, God, I'm sorry I threw a microphone at Michael. You know, God, I'm sorry I threw, you know. That's not confession. That's not repentance. But it's when, and, and, and worship is about exalting God's holiness and God's character. And, and that should be part of it. Now, in verses 15 and 16, he tells them to blow, blow a trumpet in Zion, to sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. This assembly wasn't, wasn't playtime. This was not some, some feasting, some, some let's get together and have fun. This was a, a solemn assembly. This was a serious time. Kind of like the, uh, the, um, <clears throat> their, their feast in the, the seventh month, the, uh, feast, the Day of Atonement where they would come as a nation and, and offer offerings for their sin. There, there was no feasting. That was a day of fasting, a day of affliction, and a day where they would just get serious about God and confess their sin and turn back to Him. So God is calling them to this. He, he told them to mourn. Why? Because of their sin. He said, but doesn't God want His people to smile and be happy? God wants His people to have joy. And there's a recipe for joy. It's fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to sin, we should mourn our sin. We, should, uh, we shouldn't be happy about that. But then in verse 17, He gives a command. And this is where the message is, verse 17. He gives a command here to the priests. Let's read it. He says, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? I mean, these priests who were come, they were the mediators. Now, we're not in that now. Jesus Christ is our mediator. We're not anymore under the, the Levitical priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood. We are under the ministry of the Melchizedekan priesthood of Christ, His eternal priesthood. 
But then these priests were there to to uh, offer sacrifice for the people and, and minister about the things uh, of the altar. But he told them that they were to do it uh, with weeping. With, with a seriousness for, for the ones they were serving. A, a guy in our church, he, he texted me this verse a couple weeks ago. And what struck me, and what I, want, what I want to preach tonight, is the fact that the priest, and it says the ministers of the Lord. The ministers of the Lord. They were to weep and cry out to God. For the people, the same people that they were serving as mediators, the same people that they were uh, coming to God on their behalf, they were to weep for these people. And what I want to talk about tonight is, is the idea of serving with a burden. Serving with a burden. It hit me that the ministers of the Lord were to serve with a burden and a desire for those whom they were serving. You say, what's, what's the big deal? By serving with a burden, I'm referring to having a strong desire and a strong zeal for those to whom I am serving. It's the difference between serving someone with love and compassion and just serving. And there is a difference. There is a difference. That's what I want to talk about tonight. There are a couple of things. I got two points and then about 37 subpoints. The first point is what happens when we don't serve with that burden or that desire. And the second is how do we get it? Where do we get it? it it's neat. this God has struck me about. God has smitten my heart about this. Because as a pastor, I need this. I need this. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this message and this truth. And I pray that every person in here involved in any ministry, or there are people in here that, that have ministry that don't even recognize it. And I pray tonight that you would put that burden, that fire in each of us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what happens when we, we serve, but we don't have that burden? i got five things here. Number one, Ministry becomes optional. It becomes optional. You know, because we don't see that, that our part in the work of Christ as, you know, as needed. Like uh, Brother Jacob said, you know, you're needed. You know, and that, that you're, if you're in this church, the Bible, I love in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, he says, he calls you members of the Bible, he says, you're members in particular. You know, you're, you're members, you're part of this church in particular. God has you here on purpose, by design. You're not an accident. You say, well, I'm not an important part. I'm just like the pancreas. You need your pancreas. Why? I don't know. Hey, talk to your doctor. I, I don't know, but I know I need it. It's, it's in there. I, I mean... You get, you get pancreatitis, you're going to wish you it was working, right? Listen, but, but ministry, ministering is about serving. It's about serving. You know, and we get this idea, well, it doesn't matter if I show up or not. You know, I know it, it, it's my day in nursery, but, 
Nah, no big deal. It's not a big deal if I'm not there. You know, that's okay. Someone else can do it. Someone else can step in. I know it's my week to clean the church, but I'd rather go fishing. It's my week to whatever to teach, but I've got something else that, that, that's more pressing. You know, but, but ministry becomes optional. Why? Because I'm there because it's a task. Now, sometimes there, there is a time where you serve out of a sense of duty, but you don't want that to become your entire ministry. I'm just there because it's my duty. Because that's going to wear out. That, that wears out. You say, well, Pastor, what if I don't have a ministry? Well, do you have a family? Do you have a family? Then you have a ministry. Amen. Do you have a job? Well, that's just my job. Well, let me ask you this. Did you pray about that job? Did you pray about taking that job? Did God place you in that job? Is it God's will for you to be in that job? You say, well, yes. Then that's your ministry. The Bible tells servants to, to uh, obey their, their masters as unto the Lord. Listen, your workplace is your ministry. Now, if you don't have a ministry in the church body, you know, your workplace is your ministry. And we don't look at it like that, though. That's just my job. It's just what I have to do to pay the bills. Then, you're, you're not, then, then it's going to be a problem. But ministry becomes optional. If I'm not certain with a burden, with a desire for those whom I'm serving. Number two, what happens if I don't serve with that desire? My service becomes half-hearted. You know, when I'm cleaning the church, I just stick the songbooks in halfway. Oh, I didn't get that. That's okay, no big deal. Um, You know, I don't really have to pray over this lesson. Because I just teach the four to five year olds. They're not going to notice. You know, and we just become sloppy in our work. And not our, I hate to even say work, but in our ministry, we become sloppy. We don't pray. How many of you ladies that work in the nursery pray for, for those babies that you serve in the nursery? I mean, I'm just asking. I mean, do you realize the impact you have on them? Well, I'm just here to change their diapers and wipe their noses. But, okay. Well, you should do that. But, but, how, but do you realize you're there so that their parents can come in here and be fed with the Word of God? That is a, a wonderful ministry. I mean, that's a, a tremendous ministry. It's one you ought to pray over. I mean, who knows what, what child you're, you're, you're caring for. Maybe you pray over them. God, save this child when he's, when he's old enough to be saved. God, use them. Uh, you know, take that time as you're ministering to pray for them. That's a wonderful opportunity. But our service becomes half-hearted. You know, we just do enough to get by. Oh, this will be accepted. If you're ever in your, in your ministry, if you, <clears throat> if you ever use this phrase, 
it's good enough for who it's for, then I would say you're doing it for the wrong person. Because I think about that. I'm mowing, I'm mowing grass at church, the churchyard. Oh, you know, I missed the line, but it's good enough for who it's for. Then I think, is it? I mean, even if I did my very best, is it really good enough for who it's for? Then that brings me back to the question. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to that, but who am I doing it for? You know, who, who am I serving? Who am I changing diapers for? Who am I teaching for? Who am I starting the buses for? Well, I'm starting it for the drivers. No, no, no. You've you got to change your focus. When I don't have that burden, service becomes half-hearted. Number three. This one's going to hit home. Trust me. I, I know. When I don't serve with the burden... The people I serve become a burden. I'm a pastor. Let me just say, okay, this, this hits me. Because there are times you see the phone ring and you're like, oh. Brother McGovern, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> He's on there typing, Amen. But you see a certain number and you go, oh, they got problems again. Uh, skip that one. Send a voicemail. You know, the, you're like, these people don't get it. You know, I'm, I'm going to teach these kids and they're just not learning. I get tired of dealing with the same old stuff time and time again. You know, I clean the church. These people's kids, they leave trash on the pews. They always leave bubblegum wrappers and, and fingernails. If you leave your toenails on the pew, take those with you. That is gross. I will say that. You know, picking up people's fingernails and toenails, that, that is a little gross. Take those with you, please. Uh, don't make people have to do that after you. you some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You've had to pick up people's fingernails off the... The, the, the chairs at church. Put those in your pocket or something. But, but have you ever had this, this thought? You know, you're cleaning the church and you're like, man, so, you know, they just, they just mess up the church. They, they just make such a mess. I wish they wouldn't even come here. Now, I don't know that anyone's ever said that. I wish they would leave. You know, they don't really pay attention anyway. Their kids are always horsing around. Number four, when we don't serve with the burden, we become results-oriented. When we don't see the kind of results that we think we should, we give up. You know, I've been trying to help this person. They're just not growing as fast as I think they should. They're not where I think they should be. What if we would just be as... What, okay, what if God was as patient with us as we are with other people? You know, Jesus taught it you know, in, the, in uh, the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. He said, uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you, do you really pray like that? Do you want God to forgive others the way, or to forgive you the way you forgive others? I'm like, 
But we become results-oriented. Well, there's only three kids in my Sunday school class. Why didn't I get the class with ten kids? Why didn't I get the class... You know, there's only two kids here. It's not really that important. That's two souls that you can impact for Christ. Two souls that you can make a difference on. Two, two young people that, that you can change, help change their eternity. But we become results-oriented. Things are happening. We, we just want to quit. Number five, we become harsh and judgmental. We begin to look more on people's flaws than we do their needs. You know, when we're serving without a burden, we become nitpickers. We begin looking for flaws in people. And then we just, then we just uh, focus on those and we, we dwell on those. And we become very nasty toward them. You know, we're here to minister to people with problems. You know, um, we shoot our wounded. We become very pharisaical. Well, so-and-so's kids, if so-and-so would, would raise their kids and teach them right, well, they, their kids wouldn't leave, leave uh, Kleenex on the, the church pews. That's just, that's just bad parenting. Now, I understand that, you know, our children ought to, Pick up after themselves. I, I agree with that. But we can become very pharisaical when we're serving people out of duty. Because we're expecting them to do everything for us. Or, or make things easier on me. You know, we, we've got to be careful. So how do we get that? How, where, where does that fire come from? How do we get that fire? I got six things here. Number one, by loving God with all your heart. By loving God with all your heart. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, and thy strength. By keeping God first place. You know, when, when, I, when I serve, and I have to remind myself this. When I'm out there shoveling snow, why is a pastor out here shoveling snow? Doesn't anyone else know how to operate a shovel? Hey, I... I'm being a little transparent with you. Okay, I hope no one from our church is watching. Okay, <clears throat> I really... My wife probably is. But, but she, she knows all my frustrations. I tell her anyway. But, but you know, I... Okay, what do I got to struggle? Don't they know I've got other things to do? God... You know what? If I shovel this snow, maybe a visitor can come into church. Lord, you're worth me coming in and, and, and doing this for. Listen, I want to serve out of love for God. I want to, and I've got to keep short account of my sin. You know, everything in your life, everything in ministry starts with your personal walk with God. You know, you, you can't just, well, I'm coming in to teach Sunday school. How much time have you spent in prayer? How much time have you spent in the Word of God? Well, I just don't have time to read the Word. I, you know, I, I, to, I told her at church the other day, I said, you know, we say, I don't have time to spend in the Word. You know what your screen time app on your iPhone says differently? Amen! They say the crickets... 
You've averaged three hours and 45 minutes of screen time this week. Times seven. About 25 hours. And I can't find 20 minutes for the Word of God. The Word of God. God, He has to be a priority. It all starts with my personal walk with Him. Time in prayer. Time in His Word. Time in fellowship. You're loving God with all your heart. You, because when I begin to love God, then the, the, the love of God is spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That gets to the second point. How, how do, where do I get that burden, that fire, that passion for people? By walking in the Spirit. For the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. But the first one is love. See, too many times we're, we're mad at the people we're serving because we're serving in the flesh. I'm just being honest with you. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love. Go to Galatians 5 sometime, read 20 and 21, see what the works of the Spirit are. Actually, let's turn there. We're here. We got time. Pastor's not here to tell me to cut it off. I got a text from this afternoon. I was afraid to open it. I was afraid it'd be like I got someone else to preach tonight. I was kind of scared. <laughs> kind of scared to see what it said. But Galatians five, verse. You know, verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, um, variance. That's quarreling. Emulations or jealousy. Wrath. Strife. Does, does that... Envyings. Does that describe my attitude toward those I serve? If it does, that tells you where you're serving. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Listen, we've got to be walking in the Spirit. Well, I just clean the church. I don't have to be spiritual. If you want to keep from, from becoming resentful toward those you're cleaning up after, you better. I, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. Well, I'm just a bus worker. Well, you better be in the Spirit. Or those kids are going to get annoying. They're just going to become little brats. You say, I just don't want to do it anymore because they're just so nasty. Walking in the Spirit. Turn to Galatians. Well, we're here in Galatians. What a blessing. Verse, chapter 6, verse 1. <clears throat> Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Uh, Pastor McGovern and I were just having this, this conversation yesterday. Why is it in, in independent Baptist, I think we're the worst probably, um, why are we the worst to shoot our wounded Hey, we got someone who's who's in sin or who's you know who's down. We just shoot them, kick them in the ditch, get them out of the way. Why? Why is that? I'll tell you why. It says, 
Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. If someone's overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Because see, it takes, you being, it takes us being spiritual to help bring someone else to restoration. You ain't got to be spiritual to shoot them. You know, you ain't got to be spiritual to just be done with them and give up on them. I can be in the flesh and do that. And we spend too much time serving, ministering in the flesh. You homeschool moms. Amen, you better be in the Spirit. I got my wife, she homeschools three and then has a 15-month-old. And sometimes I don't know if my 10-year-old, he's probably watching. Sometimes I don't know if he's going to make it through fifth grade. She texts your son. Mom, love you, buddy. You just need to be more diligent. You know, I mean, but <clears throat> that's a ministry, a ministry, by the way. A valuable ministry. Well, I don't really have a ministry. I'm just a homeschool mom. <clears throat> it's a wonderful ministry. You know, you've you got to be spiritual. You, oh, moms, you've got to take that time to walk with the Lord. Well, I just don't have time. You've got to make time. got to find time. You need to do that in the power of God's Spirit, not in your flesh. How do I do it? I walk in the Spirit. I love God with all my heart. Number three, I understand my own weaknesses. You know, Romans 12, 3, um, I'm here, I'm just going to read it. It says, For I stand, say through the grace given unto me, every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. I need to understand my own weaknesses. You know, I realize, you know, I'm not perfect. We, we serve people, and we, then we begin to focus on their flaws. And we never deal with our own. You know, uh, Matthew 7, 5, Thou hypocrite, first cast out of the beam out of thine own eye. You know, then you can see clearly to help your brother. We need to examine ourselves. You know, get ourselves right with God. Number four. Recognize God's grace in our own life. I love that. You know, realize that you are where you are because of God's grace. I love what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, he says, you know, I'm, I'm like the Apostle, like born out of season. But he said, it's by the grace of God. And he said, I labor more abundantly than they. He recognized the grace of God in his own life. Listen, the only reason you're, you're not on, strung out on drugs, you're not an alcoholic, you're, you're not a, a, a prostitute, you're not just a train wreck, is because of the grace of God in your life. It's not you. It's because God saved you by His grace. You know what? There, there's no one in here that is a self-made man or a self-made woman. It's God's grace. And you know what? It took, you say, well, I, I grew up in a Christian home and I got saved at age five. And Did it take any less grace to save you than it did to save the drug addict? Did it take any less grace to save you than it did the prostitute or the rapist or the murderer? You're just as deserving of hell as anyone else, and so am I. 
It's by the grace of God that we are what we are. You know, and you reckon, listen, when I recognize the grace that God has extended to my life, then I can extend that grace to those I'm serving, those ones that don't show up. I get ready to preach them, and they're not there. Oh, bless God, see if I do it again. Yeah, I prepared for the Sunday school lesson, and they didn't show up. Okay. Well, that's okay. You know, I clean the church every week, and they just keep leaving their toenails on the floor. Well, we'll cut off their toes next service. But anyway, but recognize God's grace in your own life. You know, that, that helps us to be a little bit more gracious with others. Number five, consider their end. What in the world? I'll tell you what their end's going to be if they keep leaving their toenails on the pews. <laughs> I'm going to chop off their toes. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Verse 16. Now this is a a psalm of Asaph, the song leader, who... Asaph began looking around and seeing the sinners of his day. They They had it made. They, they had money. They, they, they were in good health. Their life was great. But he, he's like, man, I'm in the service of God. And I've got problems. He's like, it's not fair. It's not right. You know, he, he says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nice. I mean, this was a man in the service of God as a song leader, leading the worship of God, who was about to backslide on God, was about to turn from God, was about to give up on God because the sinners had it better than he did. But look at verse 16. This is where he gets a spiritual attitude check. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the children of thy, the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. He said, "This, this, the, the injustice in my life as as a, a believer in God, as a servant of God, the fact that, that I'm just getting the short end of the stick, I'm getting ripped off. The sinners haven't made it was just too much for me. It's it's not right. It's not fair." Until, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. He said, I saw what was coming for them. I saw what's at the end of their life. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casteth them down into destruction. How are they brought into destruction as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh. So, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Look what he said. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. You know, listen. What if... What happens to that little snot-nosed bus kid that gets on your nerves and, and shows up half-dressed half the time? What's going to happen to them if you don't show up at their door? What's going to happen? 
Now, we don't know what's going to happen either way. But what, what's going to happen if you give up on it? I know there, there are little terrors. I understand that. But what, if, but what if you don't give them a chance? What if you, what if you don't, what if you're, you know, you're not providing loving care for, for this baby in the nursery and the mom says, I just can't take, take my kid there because they're not looked after. And that mom never comes in and hears the gospel. What's going to happen to her? What happens to the Christian mom who, whose baby's in the nursery and, and, and she can't get the care or someone says something off of, you know, to her or does something and she never comes in and grows? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to your kids in your Sunday school class if they don't hear the gospel? I mean, what, what if they don't grow? What if they don't become more mature in their faith? What's going to happen to them? We've got to consider that. We're, are, are we here to help people? Are we here to see them grow in their faith? Are we here to see people saved? Hey, well, what happens if you don't go to work with a good attitude and share Christ? Your co-workers are going to die never here. Where do we get that fire? Number one, loving God with all your heart. Number two, walking in the Spirit of God. Number three, understanding our own weaknesses. Number four, recognize God's grace in your life. Number five, consider their end. Lastly, realize who you're doing it for. Who are you doing it for? Turn to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. I'm just kidding. Matthew 25. Okay. I wasn't kidding. I was just... Uh, I wrote down the wrong chapter. Anyway. Verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when, when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? Okay, here, you'll, you'll catch the point here, verse 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. So I just want to ask you, who are you cleaning the church for? Who are you teaching? 
Who are you just giving a kind word to? Who are you taking a phone call from late at night when you don't feel like talking? Who are you serving? You know, on the flip side, he said to the, the, the goat nations. But you know, we, we have people that, that can be challenging sometimes to minister to. Okay, I mean, there's sometimes people that, you know, when you usher, I mean, was that who are you putting in your seat? And I just wish they would hurry up and sit down. I, I, I get so-and-so, they always show up late. And don't they know service starts at 5 o'clock? They should be here. Oh, let's just praise God they go. You know, let, let's, you know, let's just be gracious with folks. Listen, if you're, if you're serving out a duty, you know, sometimes there, there are those times where that happens. Where it's like, I'm just tired, I'm beat, it's just been a long day, long week, long year, long decade, whatever. But, but there are times where it's just like, I'm just going out of duty, and you keep going. But when that becomes your entire ministry, you're on, you're on dangerous ground. Because you're going to burn out. And you're going to begin to resent those whom you're serving. I, I'm, I don't think I'm off on this. Because I, I've dealt with it personally. Because you begin to resent people. Well, you know, I've given them counsel and they don't listen and look, look where they've landed. Serves them right. No. Boy, I wish they would have listened. But now how can we help them pick up the pieces? You know, when you're serving, do you serve with a burden? Do you serve with a desire for those whom God has put under it? Whether it's your, your wife, your husband, your children, those you work with, or some ministry at church, are you serving with a burden? If not, you need to ask yourself, why? And how do I get it? It starts with your walk with God and your love for Him. All right, I'm going to pray as Brother Jordan comes. Let's stand, if you would, with heads bowed and eyes closed as Brother Jordan comes. Father, I thank You so much for this time. And I thank You for these sweet folks. God, I, I love these people, this church. And I just thank You so much for allowing me the opportunity to present Your Word. And Lord, I know I fall short in this area. Please forgive me. Please work in each of our hearts tonight. God, that we would serve out of love for You. And that those You've given us the privilege to minister to would not become a burden. That we wouldn't become mean and and judgmental. But God, that we could be patient and gracious and long-suffering just like you are with us. God, be glorified in this time of invitation. Work in the hearts of your people as only you can, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for that. Definitely a uh, good reminder. Um, you know, I sit there and think about ministry, just working on the finances. You know, there are, there are times definitely in my life that it's, uh, got to sit down, i got to do this. You know, but, uh, you know, I have to 
refresh myself that, you know, I'm, I'm doing this for God. And we hear pastors say it all the time. This life is all about God. It's not about us. Uh, whether, you know, as he said, we're ministering people. At, if it's at work, maybe you don't have a ministry here, but it's the people at work, your family. Uh, we're serving God. This life's all about God. Then we have a ministry. All right, somewhere. And so we do need to have that burden. And uh, Amen. I appreciate that. Let's have all heads, bow, heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll go in time of invitation. And I just want to give you the opportunity, if, you, if you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that heaven is your home, when you die, where are you going? I want to give you that opportunity. If you don't know that, you know, there's never been a time in your life that you said, you know what? I've asked Christ to save me. If you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that heaven is your home, could you just raise your hand? I'll pray for you. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. You know, we're going to face the judgment, the Bible tells us. And if we're not found perfect, God's Word demands perfection. And if we're not perfect, we're going to be cast into the lake of fire, the Bible tells us. And we have people up here that can show you and take you off to the side. But if you're here, I just want to just pray for you. I mean, I'm not even going to go that far yet, but I just want to pray for you. If, if you're here and you can say, I don't know that heaven's my home, you just slip your hand up. I'll pray for you. That's it. I'm not going to embarrass you. I see some little ones hang, raising up their hands. All right. Christian, if the Lord's worked on your heart, um, you know, maybe you need to get back and think about your ministry, that burden. Have I lost that burden? Um, Maybe the Lord's done something for you. Why don't you come forward? Lord, we love you. We thank you. We just pray that you have your time in this uh, invitation, Lord. Work and move. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Turn to page 541. Set my soul afire.